0: All right, everybody, welcome once again to the Dynasty of Dads weekly podcast. I am your host, Bearded Brian, and I am especially excited for tonight's episode. It is titled, Redefining the Tag Provider. I have found that men, including myself, have a tendency to take this role of provider on their shoulders so deeply that it could affect the choices they make in their day-to-day lives This all has to do with the stereotype of the role men as providers, and and I struggle with this. I will be honest. I, I often feel like I am not living up to that term provider, and I think I should be. Luckily, I have a really special guest that is going to help us work through this. So sit back, relax, and let's become better parents together. All right. As always, as I mentioned, you can join the conversation by emailing us at dynastyofdads at gmail.com, or you can join our Patreon community where you get access to our Discord, live streams, early access to every episode, and more. Remember, the goal of this podcast is to redefine the modern day dad. We can be silly, but we can be vulnerable, dependable, caring, affectionate, whatever. This topic falls right in line with not letting stereotypes define our roles in our families and with our kids this pressure of provider often doesn't come from external sources in fact my wife gets mad at me when i get down on myself on this topic she is unbelievably supporting and caring constantly reminding me that you know money doesn't matter and even though i make good money and so does my wife i still add this pressure upon myself and and it could be frustrating a lot of times it comes from our upbringing. Maybe our fathers really had that role in our lives, or maybe we see hours and hours of providers on TV or movies. So my guest tonight has been redefining the term or identity of tag, as she calls it. She says, let's tear out our tags overcome what's holding you back. B is the host of the Tear Out the Tags podcast where you learn to remove the labels that are holding you back. These words make you feel stuck. They're ineffective at fully describing how big and extraordinary you really are. I love this. I love this topic. I love everything that B is trying to do with her podcast and I was thrilled to meet her and and welcome to their show. B, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks thanks for having me we have so much alignment i'm just smiling from ear to ear we we are defining all the same things it's, i'm so excited to have this conversation
0: uh, same here i uh, you know what inspired me with this podcast was one day i was sitting down on the floor with my daughter and just to preface i was a theater minor in college i love i my wife has seen me in more dresses than i would care to admit But I still find myself going down on the floor and then painting my daughter's nails. And she goes, I want to paint your nails, daddy. And I like still instinctually, you're like, oh, but what will people think if they see my nails painted and stuff? And it's like, who cares? And if I'm struggling with these stupid, I I love the term tags. If I'm dealing with these tags on a regular basis, and I'm pretty confident in again, wearing dresses and stuff, these other fathers that are so ingrained of what it means to be masculine and and be a man, these tags can be really challenging.
1: Big time. And I think the thing about tags is we try to categorize people into one bucket all the time. So take millennials, for example, we will tell millennials, they are low resilience, that they are low patience, that they are, um, really highly emotional and that they aren't attached to money and success and work, but they're actually like free spirits or snowflakes. So there's many sort of, You know labels that we place on this 80 million group of people and i'm only using that for an example because you actually can't take 80 million people and categorize them as the same thing it's impossible so i would say the very same thing about dads you take a i'll say average or normal some of these tags that come up one of my favorites is common Mm -hmm. and then you try to hand them all of the same labels that then become a checklist of expectations that they're supposed to fulfill. And I feel really strongly that men aren't as invited to have this conversation as women are, that there's a little bit of a divide in personal development, and we need to really pour into men and bring them to the table and allow them to have these conversations.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I've talked about this on previous episodes and I think you and I have mentioned it in passing, but I'm also a Freemason and I've actually had women that have given me a hard time of like women's rights. It's like, oh, it's a male only fraternity and, and that's not fair and stuff. But what they don't realize, one of the most important elements of Freemasonry is giving men a free space to be affectionate, you know, be sensitive. You know, one of the things that we do every single meeting is we ask for like, who's dealing with stress or sickness in themselves or their families, and then who has kind of glad tidings that they want to share. And it's not something that men do with each other often. Like you don't often go in and be like, Hey, what's bothering you, dude, you know, or, Hey, what are you proud of today? And that environment just doesn't often exist.
1: No. And I can, as a female, I can't count the number of times that I heard People say to a boy, a little boy, be a man. Yeah. Toughen up. Right. Right. And those all add to those labels that you're talking about. So you need to have a safe space where those vulnerabilities aren't so scary because when there's not an invitation to be vulnerable, you're not going to go there. You're not going to be the first one to raise your hand and say you're struggling. So I, I completely agree with you. We need to have safe spaces for everyone to meet with groups of people who cultivate and, and respect relationship and vulnerability.
0: I love it. So let's backtrack. I want to get to the start of this. There are tags up the wazoo out there. So how did you get on this mission? Where, where did this all begin for you?
1: You know, I went through the, I had the checklist that I grew up kind of seeing was what was a happy life. And I describe it kind of like the game of life. There's one road and it was full of marriage and babies and jobs and career paths and rate pay raises and the occasional taxes. But like for the most part, it's a pretty fantastic road to millionaire estates, right? Right. <laughs> On the game of life. <laughs> right. And so I remember, you know, growing up, I had a really strong nuclear family my my folks were married at 17 and 19 started businesses together were very financially smart and driven and so i just was raised with this idea that i wanted all of that and i wanted it as quickly as humanly possible so my yeah. entire life i was in a hurry to grow up and what i ended up with was not at all what i believed the game of life was supposed to look like and so I was 28 years old, going through a divorce with three young children, super high conflict. And that really came with a lot of healing for me. And, and, you know, the the thing about healing is it takes baby steps. And so five years later, I'm in a great place. I've climbed these huge mountains of, of overcoming and, you know, tearing out limiting beliefs and losing some of these things that had put me in kind of a stuck emotional state and I had these two mentors that literally fell into my lap. It was a husband and wife team started just seeing me through a lens that I didn't own the glasses for. So even though I had learned to be a little more resilient and I had overcome some hurts and I was gaining confidence, they saw more in me than I could have ever seen in myself. About six months into our relationship, really being mentor mentee, we, they invited me to excuse me, to co-facilitate a training program at a large organization in California. And it was all the vice presidents of the company. So the requirement was you must bring a business suit. So I didn't own a business suit. I worked in oil and gas. Wow. I, it was a very intimidating ask, but I knew that it was a situation that could change my life. So that morning I get my business suit on, I'm ready to rock and roll. And I show up, scan through security and kind of the nerves and the butterflies start. And I walk into the executive elevator and those doors close. And as m- the moment those doors shut, I feel this embroidered, itchy, scratchy tag on the back of this cheap blazer that I bought. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> And with that itch came all the tags. You're not good enough. You're wow. too young. They're going to dismiss you. You're uneducated. You're not smart enough to be here. You're not you're not worthy. They're going to, all of them, you're going to literally every self-deprecating thought that I'd ever said to myself started just flooding in. And all day, the reminder of all of that garbage was like on the back of my neck, giving me that scratch and that itch. But I left that day feeling successful in what I did and knowing that I overcame all these obstacles and all these voices in my head. And I realized this was such a metaphor. It wasn't something that I was supposed to be wearing. Right. And so that tag was really a representation of the the chaos that ensues when we have these negative thoughts.
0: That's awesome. So let's go a little bit more specifically, because I have a question that I genuinely struggle with. And I was wondering if you had an answer to this. When we talk about the tag provider, one of the mm-hmm. things that I struggle with is I'm not 100% opposed to that tag meaning I want to provide for my family I want the thing that I want most in my life is my wife and daughters life to be better because of my accomplishments and and what I'm trying to provide and stuff like you know if my daughter gets older and gets into the best college, but it's really expensive. You know, I I don't want her to not be able to do that because I didn't earn enough money. Or if she gets a great opportunity for a study abroad experience, I, I don't want her to have to turn that down because I haven't brought in enough money. And so part of that tag that I have motivates me to be better. But it's stressful as hell, you know, and, yeah, it, and it, yeah. I, I lose sleep over it. And my wife says she is, my wife is amazing. And she's like, please, like, just take it day by day and we'll figure it out and stuff. And sometimes my brain goes easier said than done.
1: Okay, so there's so much to dive in here. There are positive tags. And generally speaking, we have a set of care instructions. And so there was something modeled to you growing up. And whoever that model was, whoever you looked up to, you learned how to talk to yourself based on whether that person modeled good care instructions or bad care instructions. So you have both positive and negative tags within you at one time. However, depending on your care instructions, you will focus on the positives or the negatives more because it's a mindset thing, because you were literally taught this from childhood. So in addition to there being positive and negative tags, tags that are both bolstering you and making you better and holding you back and blocking you, you also have tags that are misdefined. And that would be what you're describing with the tag provider. You need it. it you are it, right? I'm a mom. I can't tear out the tags, mom. Right. I, I'm still going to be a mom. Even if I remove that label. However, our definition of those words really matters. And so I'm curious, and I want to dive right in to what is your definition of provider?
0: So let me give you an example. When I was young, I had the opportunity to do this amazing study abroad experience. It was called people to people. And as like an eighth grader, I got to travel all throughout Europe for several weeks. It was a relatively expensive program. And luckily, my family did well financially. And it was like, Oh my God, this is a great opportunity. No questions asked you're going. And so I have this constant like nag on the back of my head that if there's an opportunity like that, that's super expensive. Like if there was some huge, amazing opportunity for my daughter, I may have to say no financially. And that scares me. And so that's kind of where it comes from is really trying to provide for my daughter. Or if my, uh, Another great example is my wife and I both have our master's degree. My wife is really intrigued by getting her PhD. And I don't know if we can financially afford that right now for her to continue her education and stuff like that breaks my heart because she wants it. She deserves it. And being able to say no or not be able to make those decisions kind of breaks my heart. And, and she doesn't put that pressure on, you know, it's, it's me.
1: Yeah. So what, when you, if you imagine your daughter 10 years from now, when did you go to Europe? How old were you?
0: Uh, what's eighth grade?
1: 14-ish. Okay. Ish. So 12 years from now, yep. your daughter has the same opportunity and you can't justify it financially. Right. What does no mean to her at that point?
0: It's not going to bother her nearly as much as it me.
1: <laughs> and why?
0: I think at that point, she won't know like what she's missing out on for lack of a better word.
1: Okay. So imagine going back to that time in your life, had your folks said no to you, how would you have responded to that?
0: I probably would have been okay with it because again, I didn't know what I was missing out on because I hadn't experienced it yet.
1: Okay. So how would your no to your daughter affect you?
0: For me, the independence and the maturity that I gained from that experience was life-changing. And so I guess as a parent and as a father, kind of committing to myself that I'm going to give her opportunities, maybe it's not Europe, but finding ways for her to equally get that rewarding experience, if that's what she wants, I think would be the solution.
1: Okay. So now I'm going to, you gave me a story, which I love. I love it because we went deeper into the conversation, but now I'm going to make you give me a definition. What is provider? What is written on your provider tag within you?
0: So I'm going to give the definition, but then I have to give a asterisk. The whole, my wife and daughter wanting for nothing is kind of the definition of a provider that like, if there's something that they really want or need in life, I don't want to be in a position that I have to say no financially. But when I say want or need for nothing, the reason why I say that asterisk is I I do pride myself in, and this was a great upbringing that I had to give you an example. Like when we would go to the circus as kids, that was, the treat. We were taught as kids, don't even bother asking for the balloon or the glowy toy that spins around or a t-shirt or a hat. The present to you is going to the circus and enjoy the experience. We're not wasting money on these knickknacks. And so when I say want for nothing, like, yeah, sure. I would go to the circus and see these kids with this glowy spinny thing and I would want it. But now I'm so glad that I've learned kind of financial maturity and appreciating experiences more than that so I, I just preface that in saying, I don't mean to say I want her to want for nothing that she's going to be a spoiled brat. I don't mean it that way. But if there's a experience or a life-changing thing or like a college that she gets into, I keep bringing her back to college. I work in higher education. So yeah, the easiest example for me, but like if she gets into Harvard and we just can't afford it as a family, that would break my heart.
1: Right. Yeah. And I I hear that in both like as you're sharing the stories, I am hearing education and I'm also hearing travel or adventure. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. Now, okay, this is a tough question. Was there anything that you valued in your life, both in childhood and and now as an adult, that differed from the way you were raised?
0: Travel is a big thing. Like we had like a lake house. So instead of doing different diverse adventures and vacations our vacations were going to the lake house and so my wife and i are very different in that that like we don't want to go to the same one place over and over again we want a new adventure we want a new country we want a new kind of experience
1: so now i'll ask you if so callie J comes to you she is let's say 12 And she says, daddy, I really want to collect frog figurines. And Mm -hmm. it is the only thing I want my whole life. It's all I want. And you're like, I don't want you to do that. That sounds awful. I don't want the clutter. I don't want to spend the money on these collectible frog figurines. Like what is this? But it's valuable to her. Yep. Does that fall into the category of wanting to provide and have her not want for anything?
0: I am so glad you asked this question because if my daughter's passionate, I want her to be passionate. If it was just figurines of like a knickknack that she just liked and wanted to collect and maybe it was materialistic, maybe I'd be a little bit less supportive. But if there was some she wants to study them and then become a bioengineer or just she wants to open up a shop that can sell these figurines, it doesn't have to be educational, but... As long as there's some kind of life benefit to it, then I wanna be 100% supportive. Again, I, I don't want my daughter to be materialistic. So if there was no benefit other than a materialistic need and desire, I may be less supportive. But if it's a passion that she has and that passion can lead to something, even if it's a you know starting your own business or something like that, then I, I would be jumping head over heels to try to support her. Okay, that cool. makes so- sense.
1: Yeah, of course. So I was going to go to next if she's 16 and asks for a Mercedes Benz, but you pretty much covered that question in your last comment. So here's when I see as the tag, um, and I'm just going to be honest with you, you say, I don't want my wife and daughter to want or need for anything. And you did a great job explaining it. Is there, is there a tag enabler that falls into that category?
0: so for using the college scenario, I almost want to be able to say I saved this much money. So mm-hmm. if you get into a college and you get a full ride or you want a cheap college, great. Here's this money, buy a Mercedes, buy a whatever you want. Or if you choose a college and you don't have a scholarship and it costs more money than good luck with your loans or good luck with the, you know, whatever. Like I, and so I don't want to enable them to again, be materialistic or want irrationally, sometimes a want that is superfluous or, or has an added cost to it, then you're going to have to figure out how to foot that bill or, you know, there, there has to be a financial maturity for my kids associated with that.
1: Okay. I'm going to fly to another side here. You ready? You ready ready ready. to follow me? I I'm hijacking your show here. That's um, the point. So describe <laughs> your mom and dad and their roles within your family life.
0: Uh, currently or when I was a kid? When you were a kid. Um, My father was the provider. <laughs> like okay. very stereotypical leave before I wake up, come home pretty late and give us kisses at you know, bedtime. And that was kind of about it. And uh, like during the week. And I don't mean that to say he wasn't supportive he was he was awesome like especially on weekends and stuff like that and very playful and caring but definitely was that provider role and i will be the first to admit that a lot of my stresses on the provider side of things come from just watching him and how much he is sacrificed for Mm -hmm. us financially and then my mom was more of the nurturer like the uh, she once myself and two sisters were being raised, then uh, she quit her job and and became a stay-at-home mom to kind of take care of us and provide for us. and was the the mom that' was constantly driving us to basketball and and theater and and just her whole life revolved around us, you know, and yeah. sacrificed a lot for us as kids,
1: yeah. Interesting. There's sacrifice. I mean, that's cool that you see sacrifice on both sides. Cause you're right. Oh, tremendous um, sacrifice. Gosh, I wish I could just like start tagging you with my like retail tagging gun. Cause there's <laughs> so much good stuff here. I'm gonna so have stuff first all over of all, my shirt. I know, hopefully you're not sweating by the end of this, this is like a full blown <laughs> tear out the tags exercise. So when you t- tell me that you want your wife and daughter to not want or need for anything, if my definition is unlike yours, which it is, I might think that you, um, want to make sure that your daughter is never without time because you're providing quality time. Also within the tag provider, you have used words like guilt pressure internal, which you've made very clear that this is not your wife. Um, we you've said enough. Um, there's definitely some overthinker happening here. Um, cause your daughter's two and a half
0: of overthinker.
1: <laughs> Me too. Me too. I wear that tag so much. <laughs> uh, there's also guilt pressure and maybe a little bit of pride. Oh yeah. There's a little bit of pride wrapped up in that
0: a hundred percent.
1: So provider from what you've described is very financial based. And I think yes. this is the pressure that falls on men. Yep. And it's interesting because that is actually a little bit of a generational slip that has happened where I don't think the younger generations are getting that same pressure. And we yeah. also have a generation of women who want to work and want to be a part of that provider yeah. role. And I think that it's almost getting confusing because culturally that used to be very much an expectation that we put, put on men. Right. And it's very common to have parents who were either boomers or late xers. Who had very traditional family roles, similar to your parents. And there were very clearly defined roles within the nurturer and the provider, which is why mentally we have very clear ideas of what we believe that definition is. Right. However, I would argue, and I'm sure your dad is a fabulous dad, nothing against (laughs) him at all, but I would imagine that he he was not sitting with his daughter. I know. I love you too, dad. Um, But I would imagine he wasn't painting your sister's toenails on a Friday at three o'clock either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You feel like you need to be wearing the provider tag, but you have an opportunity to cut that tag in half because you have a member of the family who's willing to share that role along with many other roles that you're both able to share because we have different and unique kind of characteristics that we've adopted into our family systems now. Right. And it's funny. So I'm going to give you the flip side too. And I know this is like for dads, but for moms who are worker bees and who want to wear the tag provider, yeah. sometimes it feels like no matter how hard we work and no matter how hard we achieve and no matter how driven we are, we are kind of always taken that provider tag is always sort of taken from us. Like right. it's not ours to wear. Yeah. Or maybe we have a spouse who, you know, isn't willing to share that tag because there is some pride wrapped around in there. So what I would do with you on this, and I don't want to beat this to death on your show, but what I would do in this situation is we would really dive into what, what's the root cause of, because I'm telling you right now, it's not a provider. You, you actually have a pretty healthy definition of provider within you. You have a lot of boundaries around that. You know, very clearly what it's about and what the value system is behind that, which is super valuable. And it's easy to say, okay, let's say we're going to save $20,000 for each of our kids for their wedding. And we're going to save whatever. I don't
0: know. Right. Right.
1: 15,000 for college, whatever it is yeah. for each family. I mean, I'm, I'm not giving really tangible numbers, but then you have this tangible goal that you can work towards. And guess what? You're going to continue to monetize and grow everything you're working on right. because you are so driven and you are building all these things right. and you will get to a point where you can have Kelly go and do her PhD because you have 16, 15 and a half years before your daughter's headed off to college right and i think a lot of times that that pressure comes with i'm an i'm a newer parent i know two and a half you're not a super new parent but it that that pressure is so normal when your kids are young because you feel like time is slipping away from you because every day they're changing so quickly and all of that is super normal all of it
0: it was an experience that i will never forget that a parent friend of ours that had older kids When my daughter was born, was holding her and said, I would give anything for one more hour of my kids back at this age when they were one or two. They were like, Mm -hmm. I would give anything for just one more hour of this with the cute little baby infant. And how desperate they genuinely were. Like in their face, they genuinely meant it. They really, really it broke their heart missing that time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to love every second. And and I really try to remember anytime I come home from work and I'm tired and she wants to play and I maybe don't feel like it because I had a rough day at work, I remember that look on their faces knowing that they would give anything for one more minute at that age that I get off the couch and I, I'm there for them. But some fathers don't have that. Some are traveling and some are working their butts off to be that provider. So where is the balance? And and how do you find that balance?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is a loaded, you know, and I have a very masculine hat that I've worn my entire career. I was in the oil and gas industry and I was the provider of my um family system in my first marriage. And as a single parent, I was the sole provider and was financially sort of bankrupt over and over again because of high conflict litigation and just kind of speak vulnerably into what you're saying to, um, my, uh, the, co- the co-parent that I co-parent with, um, got into a relationship very quickly. And I had to share those precious years that you're describing with s- someone that I don't know. And suddenly I'm, I'm really resentful. Like I designed my life to not only be the provider, but also be there as a mother, because for me, I felt like there was so much guilt handed over when, if I wasn't the involved mom, you know, if I missed those precious moments and having to share those precious moments were so hard. Um, and now I, I learned that I had time to grow businesses when I didn't have my kids. Cause I was sharing parenting time. So there's all, it's, it's the balance converse. I don't think balance exists. I'm still working on that myself, Um, but I think getting clear on what you define provider as. So I will tell you right now, your definition is not only financial, which could be part of where all that pressure is coming from. Cause you have a really unique standard on the time and the energy and the laughs and the jokes and the. The cuddles and the, you know, I mean, I see you on TikTok, and you have a unique definition within yourself. Now, not every person is able to, to def- like. Sometimes I think we have to go in and redefine something that will allow us to live in that role more, more happily. We're handed these circumstances in life where suddenly what we were raised to believe is our truth, our everything, our definition right. is actually not, not possible because right. our circumstances changed. Right. Um, and this is a little bit of a tough curve here, but I want to make sure I keep us on track that when I was a young woman, I was an athlete and I was a tomboy but the only reason really is because I had an older brother who got a lot of attention for how athletic he was. (laughs) Right. So I was like, cool. If I do this, my parents will notice how athletic I am. And this like, this will be my jam. So when I got into high school, I, I started having a a desire to do artistic athletics, like dance and gymnastics and figure skating. So I became a cheerleader and through my seasons of cheering both on an amateur level and a professional level, I was handed a lot of negative tags. I was told repeatedly that what I was doing was embarrassing or something to be ashamed of. Um, and there's a lot of stories that I could share for that reason, but for 12 years, I didn't tell a single person that I was an MBA cheerleader because in my mind, I felt like it was an embarrassment, not an accomplishment Right. because of all of this, like all of these thoughts I had around this definition in my, in my skin, you know? Right. And what it really took, and that's kind yeah, of what I'm hearing with this what provider conversation. Professional
0: success is, I guess yeah. you weren't feeling that.
1: Not at all. No, I had yeah. a celebrity take my pom poms out of my hands, shake them, make fun of me, and throw them in my face. Ugh. And so just little things like that made me go this is an embarrassment. This is something that people are mocking me for. And so I had to pull up my cheerleader tag and I had to redefine what it meant within me. Cause I'm mm-hmm. a coach and a speaker and a motivator and a mentor. So my job is still to encourage people, to lift people up, to help them move forward and, you know, have enthusiasm towards what they're doing. Right. I'm still a cheerleader. Right. So it was taking that definition and making sure that it was defined in a way that felt good to me. And I think that, you know, with the provider tag has to feel good in a season and people need to know that that doesn't mean it has to stay that way forever. Just because you are traveling and working and putting in a ton of hours right now doesn't mean you can't design the definition of what you want to work towards and add in some of those elements, you know, and, and you really have to decide what is the value of these moments missed. And if you miss them, is there going to be then a tag of regret? And these are the hard questions we have to ask ourselves.
0: And maybe just not getting down on yourself that maybe you can't change your scenario now, but setting that as a goal. Like if it is a goal of yours to be there more for your family or whatever, then start planning for that. Like, where do you see yourself in two, five, 10 years professionally? And how do you get there? How do you get if being home with your family is, is a goal, then what are you going to start doing now to achieve that goal? And maybe it won't be an overnight thing. And that's not a bad thing. You know, that the reality is, is you're still currently providing for your family. And this guy that mentioned like right now, I just can't kind of get out of the role that I'm, I'm in. Right. And, and embracing that and understanding that you're doing a great job and you're making sacrifices for your family right now, but if it's something that really bothers you figuring out solutions for the future.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about intention. You know, we are a society that looks at action. We look at who someone is in the moment and none Mm. of that is concrete. It's all fluid. None of us will be the same in five years as we are, as we are today in this moment, or at least we shouldn't be. If you are, I would argue that you've done something wrong. Right. How, how is it possible that we can actually chastise people for working hard, right. but we do. Our society does. We call them right. workaholics and it's not a fun tag to wear at all.
0: Yeah. I think this was awesome. And and I think I have uh, a lot to uh, digest and absorb. And I I do, I almost feel like this was a little bit of a therapy session for myself in a good way. You know, I, I <laughs> think I've, I learned a lot and I think I have a lot more to uh, digest. Before we kind of wrap things up, I think I mentioned this to you. Zach, my co-host couldn't be here tonight, but in his absence, we do do a dad joke of the week. Are you willing <laughs> and prepared to step in on uh, Zach's behalf and uh, and share a stupid corny dad joke with us before we wrap I, it up?
1: I am totally prepared. And I had dinner with my dad before this and told him I was <laughs> gonna share it. This is my dad's joke
0: also. Love it, <laughs> all right. So this is the Dynasty of Dads joke of the week. B, do you wanna go first? Do you want me to go first? You go first. <laughs> All right. So B, how does a penguin build his house?
1: I was going to say brick by brick, but that's not funny.
0: <laughs> he glues it.
1: Oh, he <laughs> that's glues <awesome>. it.
0: <laughs> love it. I know, it's corny. All right, go ahead.
1: <laughs> okay, I hope mine isn't too mature of a joke. Like, my dad always said this growing up. Okay, I love and it. I'm going to try not to botch it, because I'm not an awesome joke teller. <laughs> All right, so... I wish I had that guy's car and he had a feather in his butt because then we'd both be tickled.
0: I like it. We're rednecks.
1: Yes, I wear the redneck tags. You got to go with whatever I bring.
0: (laughs) I like it. Well, thanks, Dad, for helping us out. Appreciate it. B, this was phenomenal. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners are going to love the conversation and love this topic and want to hear more. So, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, www.tearoutthetags.com. And from there, you can find our podcast, Tear Out the Tags. Um, I'm adamant. In having these conversations about tags with men and women. Cause I feel like a lot of the tags we wear are changing and are not, or are no longer gender-based. So I also love feedback and I love to have conversations with people. So you can DM me at tear out the tags on Instagram as well. And because I've never, okay. So these sessions where we dive into definitions can last for longer than what we've gone here. So I would highly recommend that if this conversation inspired something in your listeners to go through the episode one more time and write down some of these other words that popped up for Brian and pay attention to what other tags popped up for you as the listener, and then define all of them. Take it as a writing exercise and just really get clear on what tags like guilt, tags like pressure tags like overthinker mean to you. Um, You will be shocked at what is revealed when you really start looking into how you define those words.
0: B, this was phenomenal. Thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It's my honor.
0: For those of you that are looking for more Dynasty of Dads, once again, you can go to patreon.com slash Dynasty of Dads. You can find us on Facebook just doing a search. I am Bearded Brian. You can find me, Bearded underscore Brian, uh, on Instagram and TikTok. Don't forget my good friend, Zach. Show him some love, Zach the Girl Dad, on TikTok and Instagram. Oh, and then last shameless plug, take a second to hit that five-star review and uh, leave us a little comment, just like Mary Joe Jackson did. She said, super cool and funniest podcast, highly recommend. I subscribed immediately. Great topics and insight for parents and future parents. Just what I needed. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, B. And uh, have a good night.
1: Good night.